Hello, Jasmine and Amy. Thank you so much for joining uh, the podcast. I'm so excited that you both have uh, decided to join us today. Thank you for thank you for taking the time. Yes, so excited to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Wonderful to be invited. Yes. No, I am so honored that you you're taking the time. I know you can you could be doing a lot of things and and you both are um, I'm going to allow you both to introduce yourselves, but um, I know you both are coming to us from um, an organization called Schools That Can, and um, I'm going to allow you to provide that introduction, but the reason why I felt like this was such a powerful uh, conversation between between the three of us is because what you all are working on at Schools That Can is really about bridging um skills uh very early on um and skills of youth and bridging that into the workplace and i think that's a really powerful um message around how do we future proof build capabilities in the workplace but also create equity um Mm -hmm. jasmine and amy when we were kind of prepping for this conversation we talked a lot about equity and how are we recreating creating opportunities for folks to um build these capabilities, both soft skills and hard skills. I won't even call them soft skills. I'll call them human skills because I know soft skills sometimes, you know, has a weird connotation, but it's actually like, they're like the hardest skills really. (laughs) So they are the hardest skills. And they're, they're also the skills that we find that many times keep you from actually entering the workplace that you can't even get to the next level because those, you know, the skills aren't there. Yeah, yeah. So Amy, if you could maybe start with your introduction, um, who you are, what you do at Schools That Can, and what makes you human. Sure. Ooh, that's a lot. Okay. Um, I'm a longtime educator, uh, and so I've I've taught many grades um, and started my career in Chicago Public Schools as an elementary school teacher, and I've taught most grades in the elementary um, area. I've been an instructional coach. I have been an equity leader um, within the district, um, and I've worked for several nonprofits all around um, leadership um, and and coaching in in schools. My focus, I think, is is really on equity, which is what drew me to schools that can. And the work that I'm doing there now is um, directing our programs and supporting our programs that are are really lie that the the essence of them lie in creating equitable conditions for um, students. So moving from um, education to employment and giving students more opportunities there. Um, So that's the first couple questions. And then I think you asked me, what makes me human? And so I think right now, a lot of what I'm thinking about in terms of um, the work that I'm doing is about humanity um, and and really thinking about others' humanity and their whole humanity. Um, and I'm doing a lot of work right now in, in developing um, professional learning communities that focus on bias and... Um, and really anti-bias, anti-racism um, in schools and thinking about um, as, as we as educators and, and, and humans, how do we become less biased? Um, Dr. Beverly uh, Tatum Daniels talks 
yeah, I think it's Daniels Tatum, Tan Daniels Tatum, I think. Um, she talks about the idea that we all breathe this smog that's in the United States and that we, um, we have no choice but to breathe the smog because that's the only air that there is to breathe. But because of that, we all are breathing in bias. And so we have to be able to recognize that in ourselves. And um, that can keep us from seeing others whole humanity, seeing others as whole people. Um, and so I'm thinking a lot about that and thinking about um, um, our marginalized students and how do we and how do we really focus on um, anti-bias? Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Amy. Sure. What about you, Jasmine? Sure. Yes. So um, I am Jasmine. I am a program manager uh, with schools that can here in Chicago. So I am the one working uh, on the ground with a lot of our youth and a lot of uh, the students that we work with. So a lot of um, workshops, a lot of career building, um, a lot of conversations around, um, you know, our future and where our young people see themselves um, within our future and career building skills. Um, so really happy that I'm able to work on the ground with um, students with schools that can. Um, and what makes me human is I think the just natural uh, connection and the empathy uh, that I feel when it comes to not only connecting as a community, whether that's, you know, um, with students, whether that's, you know, with others, like having a conversation like this. Um, I think not only through community um, conversations, connecting, um, I think we're really able to create change and really empower others, um, not only through, um, you know, I think our own lived experiences and, uh, you know, having conversations like that, but I think um, you know, we're really able to learn and really connect um, through that and really learn from others. So I think, you know, that not only makes me human, but I think that also, you know, uh, makes me able to learn and, you know, continue to grow um, as a human, which I think is so, uh, so important. So, yeah. I love that. Well, uh, you both are doing some great work and, you know, I, I want to open up with a question that may seem like a basic question, but I think our listeners are probably thinking, uh, you know, why why do we need this bridge? Why do we need to create these career pathways? And so, uh, Amy, I'll start with you. What is the gap right now? Not just from an equity standpoint, mm -hmm. but also from a uh, skill gap perspective. Sure. Um, I, you know what? I, I, I appreciate the, the question. I So, I think for me, one of the things that, that I think a lot about is um, the opportunities um, for students to be able to not only enter the career pathway space, but to enter career pathways that they don't necessarily know exist. Um, there are, you know, um, we're in a space and time where there are a lot of a lot of open positions that our students um, are not able to access because they, and it's not because they don't, they, they A, don't know that those kinds of positions exist, and B, they haven't had the training to be able to apply for those kinds of positions. And that's across the United States. And so, um, making sure that a that we're giving our students the skills 
that are in career pathways that are different from what the typical school is preparing students for. Um, but oftentimes it's also about helping them to find the careers that um, are in organizations that they may not typically think of or see themselves as being part of. Um, so understanding all of how uh, General Mills operates. Okay, so you may know General Mills as a, as an organization that's food based. They they put out lots of food across the country, but they also have a a huge um, cybersecurity program um, where they're where they have to watch and be aware of their you know a, a, the the food that they're bringing in and make sure that that you know that their systems aren't being attacked. Right, like you don't think about those kinds of things. But there's lots of jobs that are in organizations like that, that students don't necessarily know about. So um, providing those opportunities to students is, is really important. Um, uh, one of our pathways, that, you know, again, is about one of the main ones that we're working on right now is around cybersecurity um, to link to that equity piece. Um, because of the fact that um, cybersecurity is like in the high 90s in terms of being male and in terms of being white and male. And so um, supporting, broadening that and giving students opportunities is, is one of the things that we're thinking about. And Jasmine, um, kind of a question for you because we were talking earlier about this um, and you're, you know, you're kind of boots on the ground working with the youth and you know, marginalized communities uh, what are you seeing as the the reasoning behind just the awareness element of this, right? Because Amy, you mentioned a lot of this is just like, I was never taught that, you know, uh, cybersecurity was something I could, I, 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 I don't even have, I don't have the confidence and I don't even have the knowledge to know that I could do that. <laughs> so Jasmine, with marginalized communities, what do you think is the 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 root cause of that or perhaps some barriers to the awareness element. Yeah, I think not only the educational aspect, so letting our young people know, hey, there is this pathway in cybersecurity. Hey, there is this pathway, you know, in medical tech. Like there are these other pathways than just your traditional, when I grow up, I want to be a doctor or I want to be a lawyer, which I think kind of, mm -hmm. you know, are not only fed to us, but, you know, actively talked about in the classroom. Mm -hmm. But I think beyond that, I think a lot of our young people, you know, have the natural hard skills that go along with what's needed to be successful, you know, in a pathway like cybersecurity, but that's just not unlocked, right? So for example, if I'm, you know, a sophomore at my high school and I'm on the basketball team and I'm super passionate about it, you know, I really, you know, want to go down that field, you know, I kind of have blinders on, I don't really see any other path for me you know, the NBA or, you know, other organizations within, you know, basketball or sports, you know, even like the NFL, you know, need and require, you know, a cybersecurity team and require, you know, skills to not only keep them, you know, uplifted, but keep them running, right? And so how are we introducing these conversations to our young people in schools, um, you know, to show them that there is, you know, a wide variety of opportunities. And, you know, you have the skills if you're really passionate about, 
you know, basketball, you know, maybe, hey, here's a pathway. I bet you didn't even think about that. You can still be connected to, you know, your passion. So I think kind of, you know, changing the conversation and kind of, you know, turning it back on them and seeing what they're passionate about and what skills they already, you know, possess and just amplifying them. Mm-hmm. And Angela, I think just to build off that a little bit, um, our education to uh, employment pathway is also about broadening the conversation beyond college, that it doesn't mean that you, you know, the college is the only pathway um, that you might start in your career and then go and take some some classes midway through or take some some certification programming that's going to help you in the pathway that you're working toward. Um, and even for students that are, you know, are, are on their way to college, um, helping them to hone what they're going to study when they're there is is really important and helping them to find schools that um, really match their interests and their ability um, as opposed to just picking a school. Um, uh, so we're really trying to broaden this idea that the only pathway to success is through college. Um, so we often find that even when students do have the opportunity to attend college, that uh, schools are really good at teaching us how to do school, but little else. So we graduate, we've got this wonderful piece of paper, we've got our little mortarboard hat on, and 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 students find themselves in the position of being like, okay, now what? <laughs> um, and so we're trying to help our students really start to think about that much, much earlier so that they're making more informed decisions all along their path. Yeah, I, I that's really interesting because, um, and I, and right on, because I think also just, you know, kind of putting my, uh, you know, from my vantage point, from a business perspective in the trend we're seeing around what work is becoming. I mean, we're going through this huge, massive uh, change right now, which I think mm-hmm. people who are currently in the workforce are starting to think about like, man, I uh, free- freelancing or being an entrepreneur is, is looking pretty good right about now. Why, mm-hmm. you know, that degree that I got, um, mm-hmm. beneficial, but, you know, truly getting to the, the meat of the, the passion that I have. So I think just personally, you know, growing up, I was never given, I, you know, I was, it was always, you go to school, you get a job, uh, try to, you know, not get any debt in the process because that's going to be debilitating but um nobody ever told me like hey you can you can be an entrepreneur you can design your own path mm-hmm. um you can kind of you know pick and choose the things that you, the experiences that you want to bring together to create the career that you want and so i think there's a there's a societal element to this a traditional step process that I think is starting to break down, mm-hmm. um, which I think is good because now you're, you're, you're introducing people to the world of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. um, trade, uh, you know, freelancing, things like that. So that's kind of another piece that kind of just came to mind when you're talking, Amy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true that, that I, I, and I, I absolutely think that, um, Students are much more open to the idea of being an entrepreneur um, than I would have ever been um, starting out. 
And I also think that it's important for students to be able to have this broad perspective of what's possible. That even though you're you're starting here, it doesn't mean that that's not where, you know, that you you can't still end up over here. Um, and so giving kids more than one, like a continuum, I guess, is the best way I can think of it right now, um, of ideas about what's possible for their, for their next steps. You know, that this might lead to this, that might lead to this. Um, and, and so I think that's one of our, one of our biggest hurdles right now is, is helping, helping our students think a little bit more broadly is kind of what I heard Jasmine sharing a little bit about, um, would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah. And I think, I think when in having conversations with, you know, our young people on the ground, I think even from like my upbringing um, to like talking to them, you know, now, I think just having that open and broad, you know, mindset when it comes to work, I think, you know, they aren't afraid to fail. They aren't afraid to say, mm -hmm. Hey, I want to start my own business. There isn't a clear path there, but you know, I'm going to try and it's okay you know, if I fail or, you know, I have this, you know, job now, or I'm thinking about this, you know, career path in, you know, this field now, but, you know, if I'm in it for two or three years and, you know, maybe it doesn't fit me, maybe I'm, you know, not as passionate as I thought I was, you know, it's okay to change my mind. It's okay to, you know, have that transition and kind of have, you know, that switch. And I think, you know, when we were talking earlier about, you know, hard skills and human skills, I think, you know, that is something that's starting to just naturally become, you know, instilled in, you know, our youth. And I think just in society, you know, in general, um, whereas, you know, when I was, you know, growing up, it, you know, wasn't so, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay, you know, not to go down the traditional four-year path to college. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I think, you know, it's starting to change. And I think it's good that, you know, our young people are just picking up on that and just kind of rolling with it. So it's really empowering, you know, to see um, that happen. Yeah, I have to say, I am very optimistic about this emerging generation. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I consider myself an elder millennial. <laughs> I'm kind of at the, uh, the cusp there of, um, you know, I'm a millennial, but I still feel like I'm maybe a little closer to Gen X just from a, you know, I don't know, stylistic perspective. So um, I just, I, I feel like there's such optimism with the, if I think about future leadership um, that's emerging and the, just the amazing passion around humanity. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it, it ties right into our work, right? Because we know we're both working in two different systems that connect, mm. but that also have a huge impact on society and communities and humanity. So if you could, if it's thinking about the audience here, right? I, again, HR folks are probably listening, um, business leaders, executives, founders, what what what's the message to them about this emerging mm. talent? Um, what do they need to know to future proof their their leadership to prove future proof their organizations? Like, what should they get ready for? What mm. what's coming to them? <laughs> Maybe Amy, you could start this time. Sure, I, I you know I think about the idea of of innovation, um, and I also think one of the this idea of humanity with our youth that um, 
our, hum our, our youth are going to demand to be seen as their whole selves and to be seen as human. That this, this space of like working to your fingers fall off and working 14 hours is not something that is sustainable uh, and it's not something that our youth are looking to do over time. It's one of the things that I'm, that makes me most passionate about the work at schools that can, that um, oftentimes we see black and brown um, folks um, are having to work the jobs with the longest hours, with the, with the hardest tasks, and um, giving our youth opportunities to have skills that allow them to see themselves at and be able to to um, have skills and careers and pathways that don't require them to to work that kind of um, hard labor is 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 really important and I'm not saying that there isn't a space for hard work what I'm saying is is that um, the jobs of yesteryear are the factory jobs that just you know that just sort of like drive the the humanity out of you right um, the jobs of yesteryear are those jobs that um, don't allow you to be your whole human self that you know require you to fit into our box here at XYZ company um, instead of you know um, looking for diversity and looking for change and looking to because that's that's what brings innovation um, and companies we can even see in the pandemic um, companies that weren't able to innovate and fast are gone. I mean you had to spin on a dime in order to to to, to survive. And so, and you survive because of your human capital, because the folks that are, that you've hired are like, okay, we could do it this way. Okay, let's try this. Let's try that. To Jasmine's point, um, this idea of, of being okay to fail. Like I did not grow up that way. I grew up with, you better be successful. You better get there. You better do what they say. You better get that job. You better hang on to it. Instead of this idea that let me try this and let me see what's possible. Um, is is sort of a, a new way of thinking, even even for me. But you know what we've what we know is that you know when you fail, you learn, right? Like, and that allows you to do the next thing even that much better. Um, so I would say, workplace folks, get ready. <laughs> They're going to demand way more than what you know. The last generation, yeah, quality of life. I think what I'm hearing is just quality of life and how work fits into that. And you can't look at it as separate. It is a part of quality of life. Your work is a part of your holistic being. You bring it home with you. Um, you know, I always say as leaders, it's our responsibility to send happier, healthier humans home. And if you're not doing that, you are impacting whole communities, whole families, whole societies, and then times that by, excuse my language, but all the other shitty leaders mm -hmm. that may be out there, you know, mm -hmm. that has a ripple effect on our humanity. So I feel mm -hmm. like if, and that's why I'm so passionate about this upcoming generation, because they have, they have the opportunity to change that story mm -hmm. and say, yeah, I, I'm not going to work for a company that's, that doesn't have a purpose that's aligned with mine, or I'm not going to mm -hmm. work for a company that I can't connect what I'm doing to my purpose uh, the tables are turning. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think, you know, beyond that, not only, you know, leadership being open to change, um, and just being open-minded to new ideas. Um, but I think even being able to kind of flip that 
and, you know, look within, you know, your staff or look within the people, you know, that are working for you and, you know, see if they have any innovative or new ideas on how to, you know, do something, you know, from personal experience, I've definitely worked in, you know, environments where, you know, raising my hand and saying, oh, have we thought about doing it this way? Or have we thought about looking at it in this light, you know, wasn't always, you know, looked upon or wasn't always, you know, a good and welcomed, you know, thoughts. And so I think, you know, being able to almost flip the leadership and kind of, you know, empower, you know, your staff and empower the people that, you know, are working for you to be, to being comfortable and to being able to amplify their voices mm. um, and, you know, bring new thought, I think could also be really, you know, empowering not only for them, but also, you know, could lead to, you know, amazing things that you as a leader probably never even thought to do something in a new way. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and I mean, gosh, we, we, we could, we could get, we could dive into any of these topics that we talked about today, but what I'm hearing, you know, generally is there's a, there's another piece of, um, support that I think if you think about from a business perspective, uh, I think we're very focused right now on finding talent, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone wants, like you can't find people, you can't find good people. Um, so I feel like the reason why this conversation is so important because we all have such a responsibility to be thinking about the pipeline, you know, the youth that is coming in and, and connecting the educational system with the workplace to make sure they're talking to each other because the workplace may be saying we need these skills and then the educational system is teaching these other skills. And I think what's gotten lost in translation over time is more of the human skills. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've, I think Amy, it was you who said, you know, we teach people how to go to school basically and it's foundational, but teaches you discipline and some good skills. But uh, how do you make sure that we're future proofing the pipeline yeah. along the way? So it's, it's an important important connection That's true. and That's true. I just you know I, I could talk to you both all day <laughs> about this topic and so we definitely need to maybe have you both back because uh, I can just see very different topics that we can start to delve into but um, just to kind of wrap up I wanted to thank you both for taking the time for sharing this different perspective that I don't think a lot of business leaders are thinking about um, how can one support, um, support you both? Well, I'm glad you asked, Angela. So one of the things that um, we're doing at um, Schools That Can with our um, ETE Bridge programming is that we connect um, our students with um, professionals in, in the field. And our goal is to connect our youth with professionals in, in, in areas that they are most interested in. Um, so we do a lot of networking. So giving students an opportunity to really talk to professionals that they normally would not have access to. And um, so if folks are interested in volunteering, it doesn't take a lot of their time. Um, we would love for you to go to the website um, there is, are opportunities on the website to volunteer, uh, to just jump on for an hour, 
speak to a student about the work that they're doing and ask some questions of that student. It just, it makes such a difference um, for our students to actually be able to, to talk to um, folks that are in their field. Oh, wonderful. Well, I, I would certainly encourage anyone who's listening to please volunteer, help support schools that can. Uh, we will provide um, in the show notes uh, the link to the website um, and also Jasmine and Amy's contact information in case there's any uh, other questions. But Jasmine or Amy, anything else before we close out for today? No, I think I thank you for having us and having this platform for us to be able to talk and elevate about, you know, what we do. It's so, you know, so, so important. And especially I really want to emphasize the volunteer aspect. Um, it's all virtual. So wh wherever you are, you're definitely, you know, welcome to come volunteer with us. And there's definitely, you know, times and, you know, days um, across our calendars. So um, yeah, just thank you for having us. Awesome. Well, Jasmine, Amy, thank you so much. Thank you to Schools That Can for um, introducing us uh, and, and bringing this, this partnership together. And um, thank you for all you do. 